Hello and welcome to Encounter, the show that brings you the life-changing encounters of ordinary people that launch them in the lives of extraordinary mission. Encounter is a co-production of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. My name is Dan Dimite and I am joined here in studio with my good friend and brother in Christ, Aaron Richards. Hello, Aaron. Hey, everybody. Awesome. I'm excited to be back today. Yeah, so uh, Patrick is out today, our normal co-host, but today we get the treasure of having Aaron Richards <laughs> co-hosting with me. It is good fun. So Aaron and I uh, do ministry together. We run a, a lay yeah. apostolate called Damascus. Aaron, maybe you could explain what Damascus is. Absolutely. So Damascus is a place and a mission and a community. We are, we're up in Centerburg, Ohio, and um, we are a, a mission campus. We're, we're, a, we're a, a group of young adult missionaries that, that work together to actually accomplish awakening and empowering and equipping a generation uh, to live the adventure of the Catholic faith through world-class programs and an environment of encounter. So uh, every day, things are awesome at Damascus. We do retreats year-round, and we provide just the most amazing summer camp in the world. <laughs> That's awesome. Praise the Lord. And it's so cool because, as Aaron said, we're a community of missionary disciples. Yeah. And so we actually have um, like 35 full-time missionaries living at, all on one campus. And imagine if you had like, there's just this bonfire of like Absolutely. missionary disciples like uh, that have given their lives completely to the Lord and are set on mission. But it's not like we like hang out like because the church isn't meant to be a country club, right? We're mm. meant to be in the world. And so it's not like we're a country club of people who are like, oh, members only. We have so much fun. No, we're missionary. And as missionaries, we're always looking Amen. to go outward. And so we, we're together in community for the sake of power and authority and yeah. fellowship and prayer, but we're, we're oriented to the world, which is awesome. Aaron, yeah. can you open us in prayer? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, charge us for mission today. God, give us the ability through these next moments to encounter you truly. And Father, I, I pray that you would transform our lives, that you would transform mindsets that would set us in a place where we aren't effectively accomplishing the work that you desire for us to do. Jesus, that, that we would love like you love, that we would work like you work. Father, that we would accomplish the transformation that you desire so that we could fulfill your call to bring your kingdom here. Oh, Lord, we are so grateful that you have called us to be uh, ministers with you, co-laborers in your vineyard, striving to bring your kingdom here on earth. Mm. We pray, Lord, that we would live lives worthy of the call that we have received that we would live lives um, just dedicated to you, dedicated to bringing your Father's um, kingdom. Lord, I pray that you would allow us to be co-redeemers with you, that we would work uh, in redeeming all of humanity and bringing them back to the Father, and not just people, but that we would help to redeem just the fallen created order, that this world would come back to you, the Father. Lord, I pray that businesses will be brought back yes. to the Father, that um, cities and states and nations would yes. be brought back to the Father. Lord, I pray that you would give us your heart for the world, mm. that we would love like you love, labor like you labor, and give like you give. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Aaron, can I be a disciple without being a missionary? Does that make sense? <laughs> not in my worldview. <laughs> you know, it's funny, not in Jesus' worldview either. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Like it, the word. Does, it's funny that we even have to say the word missionary disciple nowadays because the word disciple means missionary. Like, uh, like I can't follow Jesus without also... Jesus says... Come, follow me, 
and I will make you fishers of men. And yeah. then something I, weird happened in the world where it was like, <laughs> all of a sudden it became this like consumer Christianity where we're like, yeah. oh, I'm going to follow Jesus because it makes me feel good. And he's, right. he solves everything. And me and Jesus, me and Jesus, me and Jesus. And Jesus is like, wait a second. You totally missed, like, I told you to follow me to the cross and to suffer and die <laughs> to pour yourself out as a libation for the salvation of souls. Like, did you miss that whole concept of what follow me means? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You, you nailed it in that, in that opening, you know, statement that we're not a country club. I mean, come on, we, we've got this perspective that I can, I can hang out. I can consume Netflix in my own comfort of my own bed. Right. And that's not the way that the gospel was meant to be lived. Yeah. And so much of the church is just about like, Oh, I volunteer. Like, no, you're not called to be a volunteer. You're called to be a missionary. Like, get, like it's not if I'm just if I just hang out in the country club all day. If I hang out in the church walls all day, and I and that's the only pray, place I'm sharing the gospel. Yeah. I'm missing the mark. Like, well, and, I had to share the gospel in the world. Yeah, and, and I, you know, so many times people live their faith in a way that's not inspiring to them, and that's why people leave their faith. And the reality is, you know, yeah, if you were in a marriage where you didn't engage in relationship, where you didn't participate, where you weren't on mission, your marriage would be boring. Hopefully your marriage isn't boring. Yeah. If you're if you're a, if you're a child and you're in a relationship with your family, if you go to school and you're and you're not engaging in your in your studies, your school's going to be boring. You're going to hate it. Yeah. It, you know, that's this is the cure to a to a faith that's that is not impactful is li- you know, a faith that's lived is a faith that will have impact both for you and for the world. You know, I think a, li- a faith that isn't lived is a faith that becomes bitterness. Yeah. Like when you when you're living when when you're experiencing the faith, you're going to mass, you love the church, you love Jesus, but you're not on mission, you don't have a heart for people, then you just become bitter and because you be- you're, you're giving and giving and giving and you're not you're not experiencing that the, the the sacrifice is just suffering, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and you don't have a heart for people. You just have a heart for like dogma, and it's like, wait a second, like no, you have to like. And uh, our ministry, Damascus, our motto is live the adventure, right? And we like to say that there, there there's nothing boring about Catholicism. There's just a bunch of boring Catholics, and man, the, the, that's the re- offensive. Man. <laughs> I love offending people. <laughs> if if I offended you, please send your complaints to Saint Gabriel Catholic Radio <laughs> and EWTN Catholic Radio. <laughs> uh, uh, no, but that's that. That is the key, right? We yeah. have to live the adventure of our faith. And you look at the Acts of the Apostles, and you read what missionary discipleship's all about, and their lives were incredible. Like yeah. Peter's walking down the street, and like the crippled man is healed by his shadow. That's like amazing. I want to live that kind of cathod. Like if, Peter if you're preaches, not fun, and three thousand are converted. Yeah. If you're not having fun, you're doing something wrong. Exactly. And if if it ever gets to the point where like we're getting persecuted, and like you know, there's like massive like killings of christians in america yeah. i want to at least that be having fun yeah, real did. quick <laughs> but i'm going to be having fun while getting like murdered right and martyred okay. for the lord because okay. you see you hear some of these saints that like as they were you know like saint lawrence is like hey turn me over like i'm not done like he was having fun like even in the midst like he's like listen i will live with joy no matter what and uh because i love souls and so we're gonna we're gonna hear about missionaries yeah. uh we're gonna invite a missionary onto our show she's a missionary at damascus and um, we have a cool missionary program do you want to share kind of briefly, Aaron, what, what we do as missionaries? Absolutely. So our, our missionary life at Damascus, Dan shared that image of a bonfire, right? That it's, it's hard to live your faith when you're, when you're this burning coal for the gospel, that God's placed this, this fire inside of you, and then you're set out in the cold. It's tough. Um, yeah. It's tough for anybody. And what we've created at Damascus is a place where, where God can, through community, inspire us to live lives that are bigger than what we could accomplish on our own. Oh, I like that. 
So through write uh, that down. Uh, yeah, somewhere <laughs> some marketing guy. Go. Uh, so through through a two year program, we invite young people, young adults, um, into Damascus to live on campus in community to be formed. Uh, you know, not just to be trained to do something, but actually to be formed in the the uh, the lifestyle and the skill set that will be required to live effectively our Christian life, both in a professional ministry context, but also as amazing and impactful lay people to be the business leaders of tomorrow, to be the youth ministers, to be the teachers, to be the parents of tomorrow, to be the doctors and lawyers of tomorrow, right? Where where we can actually effectively live that call to mission in our life. And we do that through awesome and deep and engaging training and formation for the lifestyle that we're called to live. And then we live it. We practice it day in and day out, and we're formed and refined through uh, actually ministering uh, in in retreats and conferences year-round. This year we'll minister to 10,000 young people on Damascus campus. And uh, just the opportunity, and that's only on campus. Uh, and then, uh, you know, one day a week, two days a week, we actually send our missionaries out to local parishes, to local communities, to invest and to bring this message to the streets so that we can have far-reaching impact on the world. It's amazing. We're seeing you know, the proof's in the pudding. Um, we're seeing we're seeing good fruit that's being born. We, you know, we started um, speaking what, what used to be just a tagline that we wanted to see through Catholic Youth Summer Camp, the transformation of schools and parishes and families. And certainly it was in our heart. But honestly, when I started speaking that, I, I didn't know to what degree it would be possible. And today we are receiving testimonies from, from school principals who are saying, you are bringing transformation to my school. You've transformed the culture, the Catholic culture of my school through your work. We're seeing families that say, you've transformed the, the, the culture within our family. And praise the Lord for that. Amen. And that's what the gospel is all about. It's about transformation. And, and it's not transformation just of individuals. It's transformation of cultures. And if you think about it, every parish you walk into has a culture. And unfortunately, a lot of our Catholic parishes have a pretty negative culture, right? It's like boring or dry or apathetic. Or, and there's a big difference between walking into a culture that is uh, lacks energy and lacks life and lacks expectation Versus walking into a culture of joy and expectation and hope and passion and people focus and uh, and mission oriented and uh, and that's what we want to do right. Even a lot of our Catholic schools often don't have the greatest culture right. Where the students they maybe have the ethos of Catholicism and the the doctrine and the teaching of Catholicism and the Catholic art on the walls, but the culture itself isn't a vibrant yeah. Christian community. And, and each uh, of us wants that. And we all want it. We all want it. And so that's what it's about. It's about asking ourselves, how do we transform cultures, Catholic and even cities and nations? How do we transform the city that we're involved in, the city that we live in, and yeah. uh, to bring the gospel there? So we're going to take a break. Um, and when we come back, we're going to bring on one of our missionaries, uh, Emily Knuth. She's a powerhouse. So if you're listening, get ready. Holy Spirit's about to hit you um, with some love. Uh, we will be right back. Ever wake up and have your brain just start racing, trying to solve every problem in your life? That's okay. Your brain's just doing what it's supposed to do. It's a problem-solving machine. And while that can be helpful, if you don't keep it in check, that can be really stressful. St. Paul tells us what to do in that situation. He wrote, 
Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, think about such things, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul wrote that from prison while awaiting trial and execution, so he had plenty of things to obsess about, but he didn't. He thought of things above, and that led to his peace and joy even behind bars. When you find yourself obsessing, read an uplifting book, or better, try the Gospel of John, or maybe pray a rosary. But whatever you do, get in the driver's seat of your own thoughts and focus on what lifts you up, not what drags you down. For more from my book, I Am, visit rewriteyourname.com. I'm Chris Stefanik from Real Life Catholic. And welcome back to Encounter, the show that brings you the life-changing encounters of ordinary people that launch them into lives of extraordinary mission. So we have here in studio with us today someone who is living a life of extraordinary mission. Uh, let's welcome on Emily Canoe. Yeah. All right, Emily, so you're in your second year as a missionary at Damascus. It's so amazing to have a Damascus missionary here to share your story. Um, just thanks so much for coming. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be oh, here. Oh, it's going to be a yeah. party. Just as a disclaimer, it should come as no surprise to anybody. This isn't the first time we've talked, right, Emily? Uh, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. We've met you before, once or twice. A few times. You may live times. at the same household. <laughs> Not the same household. You probably at the same address. <laughs> Emily, we're so excited to have you here. And uh, it's been such a blessing working with you for the last two years. And can you just share with us a little context of what you do with Damascus? And then we'll kind of get to the backstory. Yeah. So like they said, this is my second year serving full-time with Damascus. And we kind of wear a bunch of random small hats. But what I do um, this year, I'm serving as our event coordinator. So I help with all of our special events we do. So our Damascus Day, our Damascus Dinner, things like that. Um, On our retreats, I serve as one of our head counselors. So I just serve as a support for all of, our, all of our counselors, for all of our campers, just giving some extra love where needed. That's no small task. <laughs> yeah. It's, so Emily, it's what's fun. maybe one of the most impactful uh, experiences that you've had in your time at missionary service? Oh, wow. There's been so many. I think um, when I think about my most impactful moments, I actually think about just living in community. So there's 30 of us that mm-hmm. live in community together and um, I've just never been a part of a place where people are so on fire and who push me each and every day. Like, you can't get away with being lazy or just not, not doing things that you know are expected <laughs> of you and people holding me accountable to prayer every morning and things like that. Yeah. So listeners, if you've got some lazy young adults in your <laughs> life that you're thinking need a little... Or if you are a lazy young adult <laughs> and you're like, hmm, I know I'm supposed to pray every day, but I haven't. Iron sharpens iron. So yeah, you got to find yourself some iron. Amen. Emily, it's so good working with you daily, and um, it's so good being able to trust this real, it's a it's a aspect of our ministry that we hold close to our heart, uh, the, the actual pastoral care of the campers um, and of our missionary staff that, that, that work with us every day. And you, you do such a good job of being able to witness to that and to guide them and lead them. And uh, I, I know your story a little bit. I know your background. It, it you didn't come to Damascus and to Catholic Youth Summer Camp by ordinary means. So I'd love to uh, I'd love to hear you witness to that, just so that we can we can be encouraged as a community and as a as a community of listeners as to the the way that God spoke to you and brought you here that that might be a little more in line with what our common experience is than maybe what you usually hear. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Initially, I um, I'm from Rockford, Illinois. I had never heard about. Catholic Youth Summer Camper about Damascus. 
I went to college at the University of Northern Iowa, and in college I met someone who came to camp as a camper, and he told me we should go and apply and go work out there. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, my, like, why not? And so the summer going into my junior year of college, I applied to work out at camp, and it just wasn't the right time, and I didn't get accepted. And we brutally denied Emily's application. <laughs> denied, and um, in my bitterness and my resentment, and this um, this just actually this time of like entitlement yeah. I had in my life, I told myself I will never apply there again, and I will never work there. Mm. Um, so going into the next summer, she didn't tell that to us. No, no. oh no, I didn't. I didn't reply to anything to you guys. You sent us hate mail for a year. <laughs> Was that a bomb you said stop no okay sorry. <laughs> so i didn't do anything i just was quiet i'm like i'm gonna forget about these people um and so the next summer going into my senior year of college i um, applied to like every other catholic camp uh-huh. around the country and um, you even applied to a few jewish camps you're like <laughs> I'm I, don't going even, anywhere. I don't even know no. <laughs> <laughs> and so just I, not um, that one in ohio yeah just not that one and um so someone reached out to me and said hey i think you should apply out there again I said no thanks and Dan reached out to me and said, hey, I think you should apply again. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking of every excuse in the book. I'm like, oh, I'm actually studying abroad in Scotland right now, which was real. <laughs> um, that was not a lie. Not a lie. And, <laughs> and he's like, no, it's okay. We'll do a, like a Skype interview. I'm like, oh, actually, I'm going to hear back from every other camp before you guys, so I can't hold on and wait. And then he said, hey, that's okay. We'll do an early interview. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Yeah. So I, I had this interview um, for camp, and it went really well. I'm like, okay, well, we'll just see what happens. And um, so the summer before when I didn't get accepted, one of my friends did. And so I would send him letters every few weeks just of encouragement, like hope everything's going well. And one week I sent him an extra letter, just a letter of encouragement. And I said, hey, just give this to someone who needs it this week. Mm-hmm. So he told me he did, and that was kind of the end of that. And right after I get off this FaceTime interview, nine months later, I get a message on Instagram from this random girl, and she goes, hey, I got your letter at camp last summer and it's changed my life and I read it every night and it's next to my bed. And I was like, Jesus, what are you doing? <laughs> so, Stop it. Yeah, I was like, Stop doing that. So <laughs> I got accepted into camp that summer and um, um, just felt like it was what the Lord was calling me to do. So I went out and without anyone knowing that story about that letter and that girl, mm-hmm. um, that camper ended up being in my small group that summer. And at the end of the week, she handed me this letter. She walked out and I read it after she left. And she said in the letter, it said last summer, um, when I got that letter, my best friend had just committed suicide a few weeks before. And I was contemplating suicide and I felt like I was crying out for help and no one heard me and mm-hmm. no one was there. She was, and then I got your letter. And that was just a sign for me that, you know, that God hears me, that he saw me. And in that moment, I was like, all right, <laughs> this is the only reason I came, and this is why I came, and now three years later, here I am. What's yeah. the context of the letter? Was it just like a, a word of affirmation of who she was? Is it, I mean, clearly you didn't know who the person was. It was just a, a, a random word that God put on your heart? Yeah, I didn't know if it was going to go to a staff member. I didn't know if it was going to go to a camper. I didn't, I didn't really give any context of who it could go to. I just said, mm-hmm. give this to someone who needs it. So yeah, I think she actually had the letter with her that summer. Wow. She brought it back, and I was able to read it uh, over a year later. And yeah, I was just like, hey, you're That's worth awesome. it. Well, awesome. thank you for stepping out in faith. That's such a cool witness. Yeah, praise yeah. the Lord. I do something sometimes called prophetic texting, um, where 
Like uh, I challenge myself. I'll go through my contact list and I'll just I'll hit I'll I'll scroll really fast and I'll, I'll have my eyes closed and scroll 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 and then I I land on a person and like in your phone contact list you have so many people right so I'm just like okay whoever I land on I'm gonna ask the father what he wants to say to that person and then send them a text with that word and uh I, it's it's been pretty funny because I'll get like high school friends that I haven't <laughs> talked to in 15 years or like this random like like an older person who's like a 70 year old I'm like oh man this is gonna be really weird or like uh, have you ever gotten someone you don't actually remember there there's, like, oh. <laughs> there, there's been a few times where i don't know why but i have like contacts where i don't actually have phone numbers and it's like wait i don't even know who this person is why are they on my contact list it's just a name and so yeah i don't do anything with that uh-huh. um but uh there's uh it's there's also bears and i think that's kind of like the, what that was right probably before you even knew what prophecy was it oh, was yeah. a prophetic letter of like i'm gonna ask the father just to share words of encouragement uh, and uplifting words uh, whatever god would say to this person i'm gonna say to this person mm-hmm. and and it changed her life. That's awesome. And I love your story, Emily. Just that's a simple. Uh, I think sometimes when you, we try something and it doesn't work out the first time, we're like, "Oh man, God, I like, gave it a chance." Yeah, I gave it a chance. And um, but like you applied for camp, you didn't get accepted, and then you applied to be a missionary again, and now you're one of the leaders of our missionary program, <laughs> right? And like God had had wanted to test you and to refine that aspect of uh, what do you call it, like the entitlement aspect, yeah. like right, like I'm ref- I'm refining you um, so that. So that I can raise you up, and uh, you know Todd White, uh, he's a, a um, an evangelical leader. He says he said that he prayed with, for healing over seven hundred people before he saw his first person healed. Uh, that's just crazy perseverance, like yeah. to fail seven hundred times and still say, "Okay, God, I'll try again." Um, <laughs> I pray uh, that I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that, that I that could is, do that. That is some perseverance. <laughs> that is nuts. Uh, so Emily, awesome. So uh, then that was for a summer. And then the next year, God asked you to be a full-time missionary at Damascus. So what was that process like? Yeah, I think that the Lord knows that if he wants me to go somewhere, he has to slap me in the face and just show me. So yeah. it was so clear it's to me. It's not a bad way of relating. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I like it. Can I it. slap you in the face when I want you to do something? No. Hey. Um, yeah, and so I, um, I was getting ready to graduate in my degree um, from college was a degree in nonprofit management and communications. And mm-hmm. the good thing about nonprofit work is that there is a lot of options. And the bad thing about nonprofit work is that there's a lot of options. And so I didn't really <laughs> know what I was supposed to do and felt this call in my heart towards mission. Um, and I kind of got to a place where I had narrowed it down to two ministries, Damascus and a different ministry that was further away. And um, I was in a time of adoration one night and I go, Lord, all right, I'm ready to go. I just need you to tell me which one. And, uh, just felt like, you know, when we talk about hearing God and wanting to know what he wants us to do, I just felt like I wasn't hearing anything. And in this time of desperation, I'm like, Lord, please, like, please, speak, please. And um, just felt uh, a tug on my heart to go and look at the first reading mm-hmm. from Mass that day. And it was in Acts 22, uh, verse 10. And it said, word for word, get up and go into Damascus. And there you will be told about everything appointed for you to do. So then I packed up and moved out to the middle of Ohio. <laughs> yeah, when we were thinking about how to name our site, uh, we looked at all kinds of different names, and we figured there's, there's you know, there's enough uh, foundation in Scripture that we should probably <laughs> stick with something good. Yeah, for the first few years, though, some of our missionaries were raising money to serve at Damascus, and people were like, wait, you're going to go be a missionary in, in Syria? You're going to get your head chopped off. Like, oh, no, wait, it's just in Ohio. Hey. Uh, um, so, so that's awesome, right? Like, go... Uh, and go to Damascus, and there you'll hear everything that you're appointed to do. So how have you, 
in the last two years uh, serving as a missionary? How how has the Lord shown you what you're appointed to do? What does it mean to be a missionary disciple? Like we we hear that word, it's like I, I come, sometimes I hate like Catholic trendy words like <laughs> discipleship method, like missionary disciple, and like it's like well sometimes we use it so often it loses its actual authentic power. Like so, what is a missionary disciple? Mm-hmm. What have you learned? Yeah, I think since I've been here, what I've learned is that being a missionary disciple is um, trying to go and live a life that Jesus lived. Amen. So looking at scripture and, okay, this is what Jesus did. Okay, if I'm following him and I'm a disciple, then I should go and I should do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so live sometimes we, sometimes we're, we're raised to be good Christians, but we're not actually taught what Jesus taught, right? Yeah. That Jesus says, if you believe in me, you'll do the works that I do and do greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And there's there's oftentimes just no context for that mm-hmm. in our in our typical upbringing, right? Can yeah. you maybe give a story of how like you've done the works of Jesus? Yeah, I actually the first thing that comes to my head is just over break. Um, so we have different breaks throughout the year. We go home and spend time with our family, and I think it's it's easier for me when I'm living at Damascus and I live with thirty other people who are on fire and doing this. But it's a little harder when we go back and we go to our families and we're back home and. Um, last time I was home, I was spending some time with my grandma who was in the hospital and my mom had asked me to spend the night with her and I thought, heck no, I don't like hospitals. But, um, so I don't went like and I, grandmas. yeah, like, come on grandma. But I went and I spent the night with my grandma <laughs> at the hospital and, um, you know, just before we were going to bed, she said, like, this is going to be a really hard night and not mm. going to sleep through the night. This is like, we're not going to be able to do this. And I just said to her, I was like, grandma. Your voice is really powerful. And I go, mm-hmm. we keep telling ourselves we're not going to sleep well. You're right. We're not going to sleep well. Um, and so I just pulled out a list of declarations and like words right from the Father, right from Scripture. Can you explain yeah. what a declaration is? Yeah. So a declaration is just a, a statement of, of truth and of power. So an example could be that, um, you know, I'm strong and full of life, that I am the light of the world. And you, you look at it, so many of these are scripturally based. Yeah. So I had a whole sheet of you know, these, these truths, these words of encouragement from scripture. I gave it to my grandma and I go, okay, pick one of these. Mm. Which one of these is going to be our word tonight? And she picked this word that said, um, God richly supplies for all my needs. Mm-hmm. And Amen. so we wrote it on the board in her hospital room. And I go, <laughs> every time she just kind of whispered it to me, and I go, grandma, say it out loud. <laughs> say it like you mean it. And, I would be uh, terrified to be your grandma. <laughs> <I'm like, laughs> yes, <Emily. laughs> no, she's a, she's a bold woman. And, um, I get it from her. And so in the morning we woke up and I go, Grandma, how'd you sleep tonight? How'd you sleep last night? And she goes, I slept great. She goes, I don't know what happened. And I go, I do. <laughs> we talked about this. <laughs> so I think, you know, Jesus went and he, he, um, yeah. he spoke truth to people. Mm-hmm. Amen. I love that. That's a great, that's a great example. Yeah. You you, you see so many in the gospel, so many times that people believe, believe lies about themselves and, or the Pharisees and the Sadducees are speaking lies about another person. And what does Jesus do? He comes up mm-hmm. and he redefines who they are, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you, the, the woman caught in the very act of adultery, like the Lord redefines who she is and through the father's eyes, as opposed to to who she is through the law and, and it transformed her. And, and that's a great example of that. So one of the things our missionaries do, they go out and you do street evangelization. Um, do you have any cool stories from like a, a time where you were listening to the father's voice and, um, and street evangelization? Yeah. I think the concept of listening to God's voice and hearing God's voice, um, wasn't real to me until I came out here. And I think, mm-hmm. I think kind of subconsciously, you know, I, I did it before, but well, um, clearly you did it before. I did it before, <laughs> but I didn't know what it was before. I didn't understand yeah. what it was before, even though I did it. 
So we, last year, I remember there's a time, so we call them divine appointments, just going out and meeting people and praying with people. And all of our missionaries, we come together and we pray together before we leave and we ask we ask Jesus, we ask him questions. We know he's going to respond to us. And we say, Lord, who, like, who do you want us to meet today? Who are we going to meet today? And then we listen. I think that's the hardest part, you know, the listening part. And so. Awkward silence. Yeah. We're like, come on. <laughs> and just hearing these different words or different images. And I, I remember received this, this image in my head um, of a middle-aged woman who had curly red hair who wore glasses and that she had some type of medical condition. I said, Okay. So we wrote it down and we split up into teams of two. And so I went, went out and I went to this bookstore. And of course, the first person I see is this middle-aged curly hair, red woman with glasses. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'll be right back. And I so gotta I, go talk to this lady. So I go up to her and, you know, <laughs> trying to figure out how do you, how do you just randomly go up to someone? So I'm like, yeah, so uh, can I have some coffee? And try, I don't even drink do you, coffee. Do you have a medical condition? <laughs> yeah. And I have I'm, an invisible God who gives me images of people's faces. And I saw and... you. <laughs> and um, so I'm trying to ease into this conversation. And I'm like, yes, I finally just said, this is going to sound kind of weird. Um, but I'm a Christian and I was, I was praying today and the Lord showed me that I was going to meet you. And is there anything I can pray for you for? She said, yeah, I'm actually struggling with this. I have this heart condition, and um, I have a bunch of tests that they're doing right now, and I don't know what the result's going to be. I said, okay. And, and then she goes, and I'm a Christian, too. Oh, awesome. awesome. <laughs> I go, can I, can I pray for you right now? Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, no. I was like, <laughs> I go, can I pray for you when I go home? And she goes, absolutely. And um, it was just a cool thing then because I, I just value relationship with people. And so mm-hmm. the next three weeks, I went back there every Tuesday mm-hmm. for the next three weeks and saw her every Tuesday and was just able to um, – to build a relationship with her. So, you know, God gives us these words and these images, and sometimes it's just for a moment, and other times it's for, like, some type of lasting, longer relationship. And mm. it's really awesome. Nice. How'd her test go? I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, I The next few weeks, she still hadn't gotten results, but uh-huh. um, just, I think, just knowing that, hey, someone cares, and this girl keeps, this, like, young girl keeps coming in and talking yeah. to me and mm-hmm. saying hi to me. It's weird. I don't know why it's happening, but <laughs> yeah. it's nice. I love so we that. have we have 35 missionaries who live with us on site at Damascus, and we send them out to our local community every Tuesday to do stuff like this. And it, it's been neat to see, you know, slowly but surely the impact, even just in word of mouth, that our missionaries are making on our on our little local community up in Centerburg, Ohio. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So, Emily, can you give us a context before becoming a missionary? Um, clearly, you knew Jesus. And so, who, what was your life like growing up, and how did you encounter Jesus for the first time and fall in love with him? Yeah, so like I said earlier, I was born and raised in Rockford, Illinois, and um, have an awesome Catholic family. Went to Mass every weekend. I'm still going to Mass every weekend. <laughs> and uh, after, after high school, decided to—I um, really didn't want— to be a part of my faith anymore. I just, I was like, Oh, I want something different. And I want to go to a public school. And I felt like I was being really, really rebellious going to a public school. And so I went to the university of Northern Iowa, which turns out to be actually a really Christian campus. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and got involved with, um, you know, was really trying to find community and join the soccer team and didn't find great community there and looked at joining a sorority and was like, that's definitely not for me. And then was at the church, and at first I was like, there's a lot of weird people. <laughs> like, I'm not going to be friends with anyone here. 
and then found a core group of friends Mm -hmm. um and the lord it's like you thought you were gonna get out of this but like i want you um i found community there but i think it wasn't it was my sophomore year of high school i think when i really had this like awakening moment from the lord when Mm. i was we had a chapel in my high school and I remember being in the chapel one day and I was the only one in there and the lights were off and there was um there was an advent wreath in the corner and one of the candles was lit and I just remember staring at that wreath and I was like, Hi, like what like what is the purpose of like all of this? And the father just said to me, he was like, You you are the flame on that candle and you can either be um blown out by society and by people around you, or you can choose to spread like a wildfire and it's gonna be your choice. I think it was that moment where I said, okay, well, I don't want to be put out. And so mm-hmm. I have a choice. That's amazing. So after you, <laughs> I love that. Like, um, just the fact that like, we're either going to change the world or the world's going to change us. Like yeah. there's no in between, right? Like it's either we're on mission to bring transformation to this yeah. world and bring the kingdom of God or the world, the flesh and the devil is going to tr- like trans like it's, it's going to have an impact on us. And, yeah. uh, damn, you were talking about missionary discipleship earlier. Yeah. And, uh, one of the things that uh, I heard the other day that's really made an impact on me is that there's like missionary discipleship isn't a brand of discipleship. <laughs> there there are no disciples. I'm a disciple, but I'm a missionary disciple. <laughs> there are no disciples who aren't missionary disciples. Yeah. Like there, there's not a, there's not a sect of Christianity that is just called to exist. <laughs> right. Yeah. To be without uh-huh. mission. So, and you you talk, so after that initial uh, experience where you hear the father's voice speaking to you, it's like, you know, don't get blown out, but burn. <laughs> uh, what did you do? What what changes in your life did you make to help you uh, have an impact on the world and stay uh, on fire for Jesus? Yeah, yeah. I think that I, I felt like I was, you know, the culturally Catholic thing. So I joined the retreat team at my high school, mm-hmm. and I would, you know, pray before games or do things like that. And um, I think that was my initial moment. But I don't think that I let that. Um, completely transformed me because then, like I said, my senior year, I was kind of like, I'm kind of done with this. Mm-hmm. Like, I want something different. Um, and then I really think it was when I started establishing, when I got into college, I started establishing a daily prayer life mm. that I, that that's what really brought the change that I actually don't want to wake up every morning and not hear his voice mm. in my life. And so I think I had, I had the foundation and I, I had the head knowledge and it had to move from my head to my heart. And I think that that's kind of, I don't know if that was a one moment thing. I think that's been a gradual, a gradual thing that started when I was in high school. Yeah. So what does a daily prayer life even look like? Like I'm not a monk. I'm not a, a priest. <laughs> I'm not a religious sister. Uh, although I'd make an awesome religious sister. I think I've seen you dressed as a religious sister. I, yeah. Yeah. It's been done. I, I, I've done a lot of things that I'm proud of. We may uh, need to cut that too. <laughs> so what does a daily prayer life look like for you? Like for you? Yeah. I think it, it looks different for every person. Um, you know, for some people, in their different stages of life, for some people, I think it's, I can take an hour every morning. And some people are like, there's no way in heck I can take an hour. <laughs> so yeah. um, I think right now in my in my place of life and where I'm at as a missionary, and um, I, I try and take a good half hour to 45 minutes at least every day, mm-hmm. um, typically in the morning, because I think I want to get my day started off right. So it's waking up. Um, rolling out of bed, going in my living room, going in the chapel mm-hmm. up at at Damascus and bringing my Bible and just letting him letting him fill me for the morning. So reading the readings for the day, 
or, um, you know, like we said, like I did with my grandma, you know, I gave her those declarations. And so I have a list of my own declarations. So every morning reading those and yeah. letting the Lord tell me who I am every morning before I get in the busyness of my day and let other people tell me who I am. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, listeners, one of the things we love to do is encourage people to um, take a piece of paper and just fold it in half. And on one side of the piece of paper, write all the lies that you believe about yourself um, and maybe you know, uh, the lies that people have spoken over you or that you've spoken to yourself or the mm-hmm. evil one has spoken into you in whispers. And, you know, it turns out we live our our days so often with all these lies. I'm not strong enough. I can't do this. I, I'm a failure. I'm not worthy of love. And um, and it wounds us. And, and it, we live in this perpetual um, woundedness where we empower the liar in our lives over yeah. and over. And so write those lies down. And then with each lie, if you write, I am unlovable, just ask the father, father, what truth do you want to reveal to me? And maybe he says to you, I love you, or you are beautiful. And and then you, on the other side of the paper, you write down that truth. And those become your declarations that those truths that the father has revealed to you. Or maybe you just start with biblical truths. Maybe you you're not able to hear the father's voice say to you what he what because you've empowered the liar so much so just write down biblical truths like the one what was your grandma's that's a great biblical truth god richly supplies for all my needs yeah it's just it's a biblical truth it's it's stated in scripture and i've put it now in a word that i can pray every single morning i am a temple of the holy spirit i am a daughter of god or a son of god i i i I am loved right i God richly supplies for all of my needs. And imagine if you started every single morning, like reading, praying, declaring yeah, yeah. 20 different truths about your identity. I I have the, uh, you know, I am called to be a healer. I am called to love others and speak God's word to the nations. Mm-hmm. Like I wake up and then I go to work or whatever. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm called to preach God's word to the nations. I'm ready, you know, yeah. as opposed to being like, I can't evangelize because no one listens uh-huh. to me. That doesn't sound like God. Like if God wakes up in the morning, like, I'm sorry, you can't evangelize today no one's going to listen to you like yeah. that that is definitely the voice of the father yeah no. and and parents do this with your kids i yes. mean uh my my i have a little four-year-old daughter her name's rowan <laughs> and uh, rowan was two when we started praying declarations with our family I, no it was, she was earlier than two she couldn't even speak yet um <laughs> it's hard and to declare when you can't speak. her favorite her favorite declaration that she started with because it was the it was the easiest is my my prayers are powerful mm-hmm. and she used that was that would be her go-to every night and um that's that has become like a foundation of her identity mm-hmm. Ro- out of all of our family i think rowan is like the boldest when it comes to whenever there's an obstacle that we face whenever somebody comes who's sick her immediate reaction is my prayers are powerful let's pray Right. Amen. It's it's not even a for, for me, even still, after after trying to do this professionally for like how many years, you know, after making this a focus of my life, it's still there's still anxiety when when I get that, you know, get that that inkling that it's time to it's time to to pray in boldness and faith. But we we can actually teach our family to grow with that identity. Yeah, I think it's once I once I started being able to do that and to realize these truths in my own life and declare them and say them over my own life then that I was able to better effectively minister to yeah. others. So I think about, you know, my, like I said, my role on our retreats is I serve as a head counselor. And so when I step into a lot of situations with campers who are going through hard situations in their lives and who really believe a lot of lies, yeah. like Dan was saying about their lives. And it's been such a gift that the father has showed me how to do this in my heart and in my life. And then I have the opportunity to walk with and to share how to do that with middle schoolers and with high schoolers. And so we sit we sit down. I make yeah. I make them pull out a piece of paper, yeah. and I have them write down. <laughs> what are you? 
Like, what are these like bad things, like these hard things that you're feeling about yourself? And then we sit and we ask and we write down those truths to go next to them. And it's, Amen. it's just powerful. It is powerful. I love it. It transforms our minds. The, um, okay. So I just, I don't know that one quote. Is it like everyone wants to be a saint, but no one wants to do the dishes? Is that what, like what everyone always, but, Something like that. <laughs> and, and I think, um, you are, you're living extraordinary mission and you do it in the ordinary, Emily, like you, you're, you're the queen. I'd say of the small acts of love, like where you, you focus not on transforming everyone, you actually are striving to transform individuals. And I think in ministry, that's so important that Jesus was able to minister to the masses, but to love the individual. Mm -hmm. Um, How, I guess, how has God inspired your heart as a pastor, as a leader, as a a missionary um, to love individuals? And and what are ways that you do that? Yeah, I think um, I'm so blessed. I feel he's given me so many opportunities to do that, that when I talk to, when I think about when I'm talking to these kids, so many people don't have this intimate of access into their hearts that they will give me in these mm-hmm. opportunities. And so my my constant prayer to the Lord and conversations I go into is, Lord, align my desires with yours and just give me your heart for this for this person. Wow, that's um, a sweet prayer. Can you say that again? Yeah, Lord, align my desires to yours and show me your heart for this person. Awesome. Um, I just I think that there are so many people right now and so many kids who are experiencing such high anxiety and pressure and all these expectations that people are putting on them. And they don't have a lot of people to just sit down and listen and to just listen to them and want to hear their hearts. And I don't, you know, a lot of these campers or things I talk with, they talk about their questions of the faith or these issues that they have. And I'm not there to condemn. I'm not there to tell them all the theology of it. I'm just there to, Hey, we love you. The church, like the church loves you, like the Lord loves you and, um, just listen. So it's, um, I mean, there are times where I think in my, in my own walk and stepping into how to be a better pastor and how to be a better leader. I remember my first summer coming and crying to both of you, my first week ever of counseling when I had a camper who was struggling (laughs) with all these things. And I remember crying to you to just be like, I don't know what to do. And Aaron, I remember a word that you spoke to me that is just really stuck in my heart for the last three years is that. I'm not their savior. Mm-hmm. That Jesus is their savior. I'm not their savior. I'm just there to listen and to love. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's really try I, what yeah. I try to do. So, listeners, I, I expect that here in Emily's testimony, you're inspired by the way that she's living out this unique call, particularly in in just a, a pastoral way of being able to love people well. And uh, Emily, I, I think you really actually downplayed the impact that you have within our ministry community in ministering to young people. I wonder if maybe you could share with us a a testimony of one of the most impactful moments where you've had the opportunity to take one of those kids that, you know, maybe in any other ministry setting and any other retreat setting would have been uh, cast off and cast aside and said, you know, you you can't win them all. And, um, and, and when, when that happens at Catholic youth summer camp, when that happens at one of the retreats at Damascus, we don't cast that kid aside, but, but we give them a unique care um, what's an, what's an example? Give me an example of a, of a, a story that's really had an impact on you. Yeah. I think, um, I think of a retreat we had earlier this, this past year. And, um, I was with a seventh grade girl who came out, uh, during adoration and she's like, I can't be in there. I can't do this. And shared with me her, you know, her struggle and her experience with gender confusion and uh, same sex attraction and mm-hmm. really not knowing who she was, not knowing what the church was, 
identified as an atheist. Um, and she, you know, so in moments like that, I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to go in and just start going all Jesus on you. I'm just going to ask you questions about your life and what you're interested in. And she starts telling me about these, you know, these YouTube talk shows that she watches. And then she drew me a picture um, that really broke my heart. It was of this, this turkey. And there were a bunch of like caption word bubbles around it. And it was like, come on, Bill, like got like just gobble gobble. That's what other turkeys do. <laughs> and then there's a little mind bubble from the turkey that says, but that's not what I feel. And that she was trying to show me like, I don't like, I don't understand. I don't get this, but she's mm-hmm. someone who, you know, the teachers told me about when she came that like, mm-hmm. just so you know, it should probably be an issue. It should probably be all these things. And, um, it's troublemaker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, yeah, I did the kind of the declarations and the truths and lies with her and I didn't do it from a, a deep, like theological standpoint, but you know, she just said like, no one cares about me. I don't feel loved. I'm probably never going to be able to do anything I want to do. And letting my heart break for hers in that moment. And, um, I was like, that's okay. (laughs) Like, that's okay. But that's not true. That's not who you are. And writing down these truths and she ended up going back into adoration. I said, Hey, you don't have to sing the songs. You don't have to do all these things. I go, I just want you to sit and just like read these over and over. And I had an opportunity then to go to her school a few weeks later and I saw the way the teachers and people were treating her. Mm-hmm. I was so mad. I was like, come on. And I went up and I was just talking to her. And um, she was like, I feel like I can trust you. Mm-hmm. And I had only had a 30-minute conversation with her ever in her whole life. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think just these like small but intimate encounters That's with good. kids that change them. Yeah. So I think so many times, even as parents, uh, I, I know I know even I struggle. And I've talked to many who've struggled to, to effectively communicate to our kids to effectively communicate as a teacher to your classroom, as a youth minister to your to the young people who are involved in your programming, right? Um, we, we've seen this in our lives, and and you you'll never have an impact on somebody's lives unless they give you authority to actually speak into them, and you earn that authority by love. Yeah. So, and Emily, you're such a you're such a solid witness to that. One of the things I love to see is uh, at Damascus or at Catholic Youth Summer Camp, we'll have a We'll have a teacher that'll come in and that'll say, you know, this student's this student's a hard one. This is the not, tough nut to crack. This class is is a tough one. They're going to give you a run for their money, and um, that's never the attitude that we approach a class or a, or an individual with ministry. It's always looking from that perspective. God, align my desires to yours and give me your heart for this person. Give me your heart for this class. Mm-hmm. And it's it's amazing to see how God will break through and will bring amazing amazing uh, conversion and encounter into a place where no one expected it. Yeah. And I think these, especially like with those struggles of that young lady, these are real issues like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I think sometimes as um, Catholics, we can make them political issues or we can make them general dogma issues where we're, we're speaking these big truths about gender confusion and same sex attraction, but we're not willing to get into the heart of the mess of ministry, right? Mm -hmm. Like if we're going to be bold enough to speak the bold truths we need to be bold enough to get in the mess of ministry and love the people to love struggling people and walk through. It with yeah. Them. Yeah. You know, I love the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Like, you know, at Christmas time, you have all these like Christmas cards you get with it, like with all this like gold glitter and like uh, around the manger scene and everything looks clean and perfect and beautiful. But realistically, the manger scene was just that Jesus was born in a wet, dirty manure filled cave 
um, to teach us, hey, there is nowhere that's too messy for me. Mm-hmm. That when I come into humanity, I come into your mess. And um, in ministry, we've got to be willing willing to to enter into people the mess of people's lives and to love them where they're at and to dig the gold, if you will, out of them. Like, I see you like the Father sees you, no matter how yeah. difficult it is, and I'm going to speak truth to you. Yeah. We, teach our, we teach our missionaries up at Damascus that only when someone's convinced that we're seeking the gold in their life will they be willing to let us dig through the dirt to get there. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Well, hey, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Encounter, a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. We just heard the amazing life-changing testimony of Emily Knuth. Thank you so much, Emily. Um, we're going to take a short break, and then I'm going to let you tell our listeners uh, how they can learn about being a missionary. We'll be right back. Lauren Ashburn. I've always been pro-life, but have never been able to talk about it in the news. And now, not only do I share it internally, but I share it with a global audience. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. Amazon Echo is your virtual personal assistant that allows you to use just your voice. You can listen to Encounter with Dan Demite and Patrick Rice just by saying, Alexa, play EWTN Radio. Check out the Amazon Echo today. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. Every single day, I get to help our listeners of the Sunrise Morning Show wake up, find out what's going on in the church and the world, and then walk with them as we all seek to grow in knowledge and love of Jesus Christ and the Catholic faith. I mean, how could it get any better? The Sunrise Morning Show with Anna Mitchell and Matt Swain. Monday morning, 6 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Hello and welcome back to Encounter. Wow, Emily, thanks so much for sharing um, just your testimony with our with our audience and just sharing about how you um, have a heart for God's people. Can you? Uh, one of the things I noticed was just the power of community in your life. Like, uh, it, is it possible to live our faith by ourselves? No, <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think it is. Yeah. Jesus sent people out in pairs. He sent groups out together. Yeah. So for young adults who are listening, or maybe for some adults who know young adults, um, if a person wanted to be a missionary at Damascus, what would that look like? Like, how could they find out more? Yeah. So I think the best way to find out more information would be to go and check out our website. So it'd be damascuscampus.com uh, backslash mission. And there's all like frequently asked questions section just gives a bunch of information and the application on the website there and i yeah i mean if you're someone who wants to live a life that changes lives this is a way to do it amen awesome and and there's different opportunities you can either serve just in the summer with catholic youth summer camp for uh three months or you could serve a whole year uh or two with us and the cool thing is we provide a lot of aaron was mentioning this earlier we provide mm-hmm. formation right and uh discipleship actually doesn't mean just following Jesus. It means becoming Jesus. Like when you were a disciple of a rabbi, um, the rabbi would say, like, come follow me to learn my way of life so that you can live my way of life. And you mentioned that, Emily, that like being a missionary disciple is about doing the works that Jesus did, living the life that Jesus lived. Um, So we are going to... uh, yeah, just if you if you want to learn more about being a coming a missionary, go to damascuscampus.com backslash mission, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron, one of the things that stuck out to me the most in Emily's testimony and just this idea of being a missionary disciple is that 
Um, I don't have to live on a missionary campus um, and be called like a full-time missionary for my occupation to be a missionary. Like every single Christian by right of our baptism is called to be a missionary wherever we are. And the lay faithful, our cause laity is actually to be Christ in the world, to be on mission in the Mm -hmm. world. And I just wonder like if we, what would it look like if we actually lived the life of Jesus in our workplaces? And in our communities that when I went to the grocery store, when I went to the gas station, when when I when I was out at the the ballpark with my kids on Saturday because he had a baseball game, if I was living the life of Jesus there and and listeners, I just want to encourage us that like, let's let's bring the life of Jesus into the world. Let's 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 see ourselves. I'm not. I'm, I, I, whatever job you have, you do what you do and you do it for Jesus. So if you're a, a teacher, you're a teacher for Jesus. If you're an engineer, you're an engineer for Jesus. If you're a doctor, you're a doctor for Jesus. Reorient yourself. And like Emily was saying, pray those prayers of declaration and maybe declare who you are in your workplace. I am a doctor for Jesus. I am a light to the nations in my workplace. Whatever it is, just declare how you're going to bring uh, a transformation in the culture of your work environment and the world around you. Great. Uh, I'd like to close in, in prayer. And, oh, wow. Uh, that's that's a good thing to do. <laughs> good, good call. I, Emily, Emily spoke a, a prayer that was really powerful earlier, and I want to I want to kind of just orient that toward us. And um, she said that the prayer she prayed was, uh, was, God, that you would align my desires to yours and to give me your heart for this person that we're ministering to. So... Um, let, let's let's close it, close the show in prayer today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father, we love you. We love the call that you've given to us. We love being in relationship with you, Lord. And Jesus, we pray that you would align our desires to yours, and that you would give us your heart for the people you've called us to serve. Jesus, show us your heart for the people you've called us to serve. As we've been praying here today, um, God's been calling us to pray in a particular way, and. Uh, God was God was speaking to me about um, a gentleman. He said the name is Stephen, 46 years old, who's really struggling with some isolation in his life. And I want to speak Jesus's uh, heart for you, Stephen. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I shared a, a word that somebody had for my son Diggory, who's who's eight years old, and he was so moved by the fact that God saw him. And God was speaking to me that there's a parent who's driving right now who has a 12 or 13-year-old son or daughter who is experiencing confusion and frustration um, in their relationship. And God wants that to be undone with by virtue of you showing this testimony, you sharing this word with him or her, and affirming your love and confidence in a hug. So parents, there's a call for you um, if, if that one applies to you today. Yeah, I'm just getting a sense there's a woman um, who is sick and you're feeling like I want to be on mission, but I don't feel like I, I can do anything because I'm sick and just uh, that my body's too weak. And the Lord says, I have a mission for you. Press in and ask me and I'll reveal it to you. So just to, that you are worthy of mission. You're worthy of the call um, and to press in. Thank you so much, listeners, for listening to Encounter. If you want to share your life-changing encounter with others or you want to hear more episodes and share our episodes with your friends, you can visit EncounterRadio.org. That's EncounterRadio.org. Encounter is a co-production of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Live a life that changes lives.